All right, welcome back to the Modern Dealer Business Development Podcast for Sunday, July 24th, 2022. All things automotive business development all the time. Today, of course, is no exception. I am your host, BDC Colin, or Business Development Colin Thomas. And today we're talking about risky behavior in retail automotive. It's a subject that I've never shied away from, and I'm certainly not going to begin to do that today. I want to talk real briefly about a podcast that I did three weeks ago to the day, in fact. On July 3rd, I did a podcast on some of the proposed rules from the FTC as they relate to automotive retail. Now, if you didn't catch that podcast, and if by chance you don't know what I'm talking about, I highly recommend that you go at the very least Google FTC rules on dealerships. Um, But if you want the direct link to the actual proposed rules, if you want the, uh, the, the actual um, short and sweet condensed version of what these things will mean for the for dealers today um, you know this stuff is coming it's not a matter of when uh, it, it's not a matter of if, if it's a matter of when and I think that for the most part these are good things for uh, for both dealers and for customers I personally believe that these things will help um, the honest dealers play on a more level playing field um, with their competition and uh, certainly among those that you know have operated um, over the years with uh, deceptive business strategies or, or practices heavily baked into their culture. Um, now, as we talk about co- organizations that have deceptive business practices heavily baked into their culture, I want to talk about a um, an automotive dealership group that you probably have heard about, right? Um, you've probably heard about this uh, dealership group over the years, and. The reason you've heard of them, I'm going to uh, talk to you about a, a dealership group. Um, I'll, I'll list off some of the respondents in the lawsuit here, and I'll let you tell me if you've heard of these people before. But the respondents in a lawsuit that was filed uh, roughly a year ago against King's Auto Show, doing Brook, uh, DBA, Brooklyn Mitsubishi, King's Auto Show Incorporated, Brooklyn Mitsubishi pre-owned, Grand Auto Group, Brooklyn Volkswagen, Rudy Tremino, El Patron, and Bobby Carol Ambus. Um, these names probably sound familiar because you probably know Rudy Tremino or El Patron. Now, over the years, El Patron has been the face of many dealerships, but over the last four or five years, he's very regularly been the face of Brooklyn Mitsubishi and Brooklyn Volkswagen, and they have uh, had some issues, right, over the years. Um, he certainly has had more than his share, I should say, of issues over the years. But about a year ago, the uh, New York Department of um, Consumer and um, Worker Protection brought a lawsuit against them to the tune of 7,000 violations um, that, that really all had to do with deceptive business practices um, that were heavily baked into their culture. And um, if you'd like to read that, it's uh, the consent order um, that, uh, you know, I think it's nine pages. Um, it's an easy read. It will make your eyes pop out of your head if you're not somebody that you know, um, that is totally baked into exploiting customers. Um, listen, I'm all about making money, but I'm about doing it ethically, sustainably, and uh, profitably, right? It has to be done ethically and sustainably to, to, to be long-lasting. These short-lasting bursts of energy, these, these flash-in-the-pans uh, business development strategies, they don't work, and I've, I've always been very, very... Um, I've always been very um, passionate about doing things the right way. Um, and so there is, uh, to this day, unfortunately, um, there is a, a, 
a very loyal following to this man, uh, El Patron, um, which I, I believe its literal translation is the boss. Well, the boss has created um, somewhat of a shit show for those of us that are passionate about our careers in this industry. Um, one of the there's a bunch of different you know. Uh, dialogues that are happening on social media in a bunch of different places and that's all i'm gonna say but in one of the places that i've been watching a dialogue take place about this uh specific instance uh or or uh dealership group person whatever you want to say um a gentleman said at some point this is all going to fuel aggressive state and federal regulations that will take a huge chunk out of our operating profits and will weaken the current franchise agreement laws well i couldn't agree with this gentleman more um and uh and yeah, I mean, you know, it's always been funny to me. The same folks that'll spit and stutter when you talk about Carvana or uh, Tesla, they're the same folks that'll, you know, spit and stutter when you talk about, you know, potentially um, franchise agreement laws being weakened. And it, it, those are usually the same folks that participate to some degree in the um, deceptive business practices that, you know, that uh, unfortunately um, – they, they run pretty, pretty common in our industry. Um, there's a lot of people that will say things like, you know, most dealers are great people. Um, I'd like to think that that's the case, but the reality is, is that many dealerships, whether knowing or unknowingly, um, are participating in deceptive business practices or, um, bad, you know, just bad business. Um, and again, the, you know, the, 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 keyword there, not so much of a disclaimer, but you know, the keyword there is whether, or the key words are whether knowingly or unknowingly. I know a lot of operators are far detached from their own business because of their age, et cetera. Um, now there it doesn't, you know, I know that there are some younger progressive dealers out there, um, but there are a lot of dealers, a lot of dealers that are heavily engaged with deceptive business uh, practices on a day-to-day bi- uh, strategy, you know, or on a day-to-day basis. Um, that's just a way of business. It's a way of life for many of these dealers. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I tend to maybe look at the glass a little bit half empty when people make statements like, you know, I, I think most of the dealers out there are good guys. Um, maybe, but I think, you know, most of the dealers, many of the dealers out there, maybe more than 51% are engaging to some degree, whether knowingly or otherwise, in deceptive business practices. And this is the kind of stuff that catches up with you because these guys got hit with nearly a million dollars between the fines and the restitution. They were forced to close their doors for a week. Um, and the, um, uh, they're, they're, they're forced to comply with some pretty heavy regulation to ensure their compliance um, for, for quite some time going forward. Um, so, you know, the, the podcast theme today is, um, is risky behavior, you know, and, and, and I guess that leaves me saying, you know, or asking, you know, is your dealership or is your group engaging in risky behavior? Um, and what's the real cost of that, right? When you look at the fact that, you know, our customers, the industry has paved way for, um, transparent, uh, options for, for, for customers to do business. Right. Um, and it continues to this day to, to birth a whole culture, uh, or a whole new subset, uh, of, of businesses within our business to, in theory, really replace our business model that we haven't in many instances been able to get right. Because we insist, many of us, maybe not you, but the reality is many of us still insist that this is the way that business is done. 
Case in point, the last podcast that I did talked about a subreddit um, called Ask Car Sales. If you're not a Reddit person, I highly recommend that if for no other reason, you go sign yourself up for an account and just be a fly on the wall just to see what the, the dialogue is in this group because it's concerning. For somebody that, you know, like myself, it's concerning to see, uh, and this is a very active group. There are a lot of active um, automotive professionals, and I'm using the word professionals in air quotes. You can't see that, but um, I'm being a little bit sarcastic when I say professionals because the the attitude in this group is um, poor at best, right? Um, I think the overall, I mean, some of the usernames, let let me back up for a second. The group is run by a moderator, and this is like, I don't know, 150,000 people or something like that. And it's stupid. A lot of people are in this group. Very active group. Probably the most active, if not the most active uh, automotive sales, uh, you know, subreddit. Um, And so the group is run by a, a finance director. Or a finance manager, I can't think, whatever, at a Ford dealership. I, you know, I think he keeps his, whatever. And, you know, I mean, that only, that, but the point is that the group is run by a, a, an F&I manager. And he's your traditional, um, squeeze them for all they're worth, F&I manager. And, and, and that shows through and through with the way that he moderates things, the way that he, you know, for lack of better words, kind of acts as a referee and some of the, uh, discussions or debates that come up, and even in how they filter out certain things within the group. Case in point, you can't post in this specific group anything that has the word ripoff in the title. It will get censored. It will get automatically, they've created a, um, a filter to uh, just basically uh, delete that post automatically. Now, that's concerning for me. It's concerning when we heavily regulate transparency in an industry that is very much in need of transparency. And this is all the reason why I think that there, there, some of this regulation you know, is, is going to be um, very good for consumers. And it's going to be good for, for dealers, too, because as I said earlier, it's gonna, I really think it's going to help them play on more level playing ground. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 the case with this whole you know, um, El Patron guy, folks. Um, this is, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, oh, they thought this guy was, you know, a success story. He was an underdog and he, you know, no, I, I, I've been watching these, these folks, uh, for years. And, uh, this is, this is not somebody that, uh, that is not the case. In fact, in a comment that was made, um, on one of the threads that, that, that's getting a lot of traction about the specific, uh, dealership group, uh, this gentleman made a comment every time this gentleman, meaning El Patron or Rudy, uh, Tremino, uh, takes a car dealership, uh, to 300 cars per month. It happens for two to four months. And then the dealership takes a dip, loses banks, loses trust and gets in trouble. Let's not forget in 2008 to 2013, how he destroyed Jersey city Ford. It did not make headlines like this one. In the end, over the last decade and a half, he successfully made a lot of money for himself and is still making moves. Too many people get fooled and buy into the hype. Now, I think it's interesting that he used the word hype because hype is, the, is a word that uh, El, El Patron or Rudy Treminio has used um, quite some, some, a number of times over the years. Um, and it has always been when he's defending himself or, you know, on social media. And, and it's the same word that his, um, his groupies have used uh, when they come to his defense on social media. Uh, over the years, come see what all the hype is about. 
Well, the hype is about the eight, nearly one million dollars in fines and restitutions that they were forced to make, uh, for forced to pay. The hype is about them being shut down for seven days and being heavily regulated for the next, I don't know, few years. I can't remember. I read the whole nine-page uh, consent order. Um, I'll link that in the description of this podcast if you'd like to go back and, and look at that yourself. Um, I will also link the podcast that I talked about, the FTC proposed legislation, as well as a condensed version of it with a link to um, the uh, full 150 pages of the FTC um, proposed uh, rules for automotive dealerships. Folks, this is a time to be paying attention. This is a time to expect what you uh, inspect, what you expect under the, the hood, the sales engine of your dealership. Um, and I'm super passionate about these things. One thing I'll say is, is that I see about 75% of dealers, whether knowingly or, other, or otherwise, um, engaging in re- some degree of review manipulation, whether it's to a, a, a large degree or to a very small degree. But I see about 75%. The overwhelming majority of dealers today are engaging in review manipulation. Why am I talking about this? Well, many of the things that I've seen Rudy engage with at his dealership, I can draw similarities to things that other dealers are doing, many dealers and maybe even in some instances, most instance, or most dealers are doing. And in this specific instance, I can say confidently that many, if not most dealers on some level, whether knowingly or otherwise, whether automated or manual, are engaging in some degree of review manipulation. Well, what does that mean, Colin? What does review manipulation mean? What are you talking about? Well, let's just say the average car dealership gets two or three one-star reviews over the course of a month, right? It's just over the course of, you know, business, whatever. Whether you're doing things, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> ethically, sustainably, whether you're, you know, deploying unsustainable, deceptive business practices. You know, let's just say whatever. Dealership gets you know, three one-star reviews on average per month, every 30-day rolling cycle. So the dealership puts a strategy in place to put at least nine or 12 four-star reviews at any cost um, in place, right? Well, just like a, a, a replica watch, all right? Many of you probably own a fine watch. I own one myself. Uh, but I also have a, uh, I have a replica complement, Right? Um, that, uh, you know, that, that's, that's my daily driver, right? I don't choose to wear my, my genuine piece, um, out in the wild. Right. And, you know, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I wear replicas. I have no problem with that. Um, admitting that. Um, and, um, so there are many ways to spot a replica, even if it's a very good replica. Now, I buy very good replicas. I don't buy low-end garbage, but even a very good replica, there are tells. But you usually need more than just one one key indicator or one tell to determine, unless it's just a really bad piece. But those aren't things that I'm dealing with. Usually, you need more than one key indicator of what, you know, a, a, a replica versus a, a genuine piece. <sighs> It's the same thing with your reviews, folks. There are probably, maybe not a hundred, but there are probably a dozen or so um, tells of review manipulation, right? And one tell isn't going to be like the end all, like, okay, um, all your reviews are written by, you know, uh, ghost accounts, meaning they were, you know, written by people that have never written any other reviews in their life. That's a little concerning, and it always makes my eyebrow go up a little bit. 
But I can't definitively say, hey, that's review manipulation because all of your reviews or many or most of your reviews are written by ghost accounts. But it's certainly a a key indicator for concern. But just like with a replica piece, you you can't – a good replica piece. You can't typically, um, you know, make that judgment just based on that alone, right? There's a number of things that I look at when I'm determining – um, whether the, there's a, a strategy for review manipulation that's put in place. And, and that, you know, you might just say, well, whatever, it's just review manipulation. Yeah, it's not just review manipulation. Review manipulation usually means that you're having to, to, to use this unsustainable deceptive business strategy to uh, try, uh, usually uh, fruitlessly, to overcome uh, other things that you're doing that are causing you to have such poor reviews. Folks, um, so the reason that I went into that whole little spiel about, you know, review manipulation is because, as I said earlier, um, a lot of the things that uh, Brooklyn Mitsubishi is engaging in, um, I see happening out in the wild pretty often with dealers, um, review manipulation being one of those things. Um, and, and so to this day, you can go back, uh, if you were to sort like today and you went to Brooklyn Mitsubishi's reviews, you sorted by most recent reviews and you looked at their one-star reviews, you'd very, very quickly. And when I say very quickly, I mean immediately, you'd immediately notice a trend of people who've been talking about feeling pressured to write reviews in their dealership. Even people who recently have talked about feeling uncomfortable and physically intimidated by their salesperson standing over them to ensure that they wrote the review before they left the dealership. Now, I think that at some point, maybe an argument could be made, you know, that, you know, some of these people felt that they were being pressured to write the review in exchange for receiving financing for the vehicle. I think there are some real slippery, slippery slopes with some of the stuff that we're doing in automotive retail. I think, you know, a lot of us force our customers to hold signs. And the reality is, is that I look at some of these delivery photos and you can tell that the customer is clearly uncomfortable about, you know, being forced in this position of uh, doing a commercial for your dealership, right? We are doing things unsustainably over and over and over and over. And the end result is that um, there is legislation that's being put on the table to heavily regulate our industry. Some of that is a good thing. Some of that is um, maybe not so much a good thing. And some of that is, um, is already in motion. And some of that is left um, to uh, how we choose to do business over the coming days, weeks, months, and years. I won't, even say, I won't go as far as to say decades because we don't have decades. Um, there's just too, there's too much happening. You know, whether you want to admit there or not admit, I don't know that if 50% of the cars on, uh, that are being sold by 2030 are going to be electric cars, but that's kind of the, you know, everybody says, Hey, by 2030, half the cars that are being sold are going to be electric cars. Well, we know that Ford's already going direct to consumer with their EVs. So, you know, it's, and there's just, you know, I mean, what VW has already, I mean, everybody's kind of doing something a little bit different. VW, I think with one of their vehicles has said, you know, on this specific vehicle, we're doing direct to to consumer. But the reality is, is that um, our landscape is changing and, and we have a lot to do with how our landscape continues to change. So um, I highly recommend that you um, explore sustainable business development strategies. If you need some help with your social media reputation, if you need some help with repairing uh, a poor uh, reputation perhaps in the past, 
and uh, recovering from that, poor business development strategies in the past, and you're looking for something long-lasting, not short-acting, not a quick burst, not a quick flash in the pan, um, I'm happy to help in any way. I'm only a call away. 708-RED-LINE, 708-733-5463. That's all the time I have for today. Until next time.